0: Good morning everyone, good to see you this morning as we gather, and all of you got your notes uh, that were with your bulletin, so we apologize, but we asked the water company when they were out here three times in the past week and a half, they said, call us on Sunday morning and we'll turn on your water with no problem, and we called them on Sunday morning the guy said, we don't know who you talk to, but we're not open on Sundays, so, (laughs) your tax dollar at work. So, there we go. So, we are still trying to figure out the best way to get this done, but as you see, the repairs are going to be starting in a couple weeks, and I just mentioned to a couple folks that evidently, we are at a period in American history where you just can't get things done. Right? Want to go buy a car? Eh, I don't know about that. You want to call a handyman? I don't know about that. You want to... (laughs) Want some repair work i'm not too sure about that so so it's it's in process, so we're hopefully we'll get it get it done here soon. If you want any other details on it, you can call us and chat and we'll show you the leak and you could fix it for us so <laughs> amen, well, praise the Lord. Uh, we're going to do something a little different today. Today is uh, Communion Sunday, as you know, and uh, we are also, uh, Pastor Grandi had mentioned to me he had a word that he just wanted to share from the Lord, and we're going to spend some time after communion praying for the sick uh, at, down at the altar, so be prepared for that. If you feel you need a touch from the Lord, this is the time uh, to come, and it will be prayed over. Uh, and we're just going to worship the Lord and go to the Word. Hallelujah. So why don't we stand together, and we're going to start with... Um, a beautiful hymn of the morning. I believe it's hymn number 139 if you want it in your in your and Hymn number 139 uh, at Calvary and that's what communion is all about. Calvary and what Jesus did for us. So hallelujah. Let's just worship together.
1: On the uh, last verse we're just going to go nice and slow and we're going to think about really the in-depth of what the words really say. So let's go. Years I spent in vanity and pride. spent in vanity and pride caring not my Lord was crucified I see. Bless you, bless you, bless
2: you. Good morning, church. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for that hymn this morning. We're going to go ahead and continue on with worship, and you can feel free to come down and worship at the altars if you would like. Um, I know that us being new here, you might not know some of the songs, so hopefully you will enjoy them and you will just be able to have a time with the Lord and experience the Holy Spirit this morning. to this house this morning, Lord. You are welcome in this place. You come and do what only you can do, Lord. We just want to experience your presence this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
3: you see
0: kingdom to flood the earth. But how many also know that that flooding, where does it start? Starts right here, doesn't it? The flood has to start within each of us. And so we want to be open to that as the Holy Spirit leads us into his truth. We're going to take the next few moments and just come to his table and begin by asking him to flood our hearts, flood our lives, flood our families, flood the world with his power and his love. We'll partake together. So as they continue to worship, just come down, get your elements, return to your seat. You may be seated and we'll we'll go from there. But let's just ask him to continue to flood our hearts. God bless you as you come. Hallelujah. again let your say it again let your glory
2: let your glory and your power and your majesty and worth come flood the earth
0: and then could we just change that and could we just say flood my heart sure let's do that let's just open our hearts to him just sing that one part again let your just sing that part let your glory and your power flood my heart let's just open ourselves to him go ahead and say that
2: let your
3: glory and your power, let your majesty and worth flood my, heart, flood
4: my heart. Say that again. Let your glory, let your glory
3: and your power, let your majesty and worth, flood our hearts. One more time. Let your glory your majesty and worth flood flood our hearts
4: glory majesty power flood our how many need glory majesty and power this morning i know i do
0: glory majesty power and worth isn't isn't it wonderful to know this morning that what this represents, this communion table, it represents that you and I are worth something to Jesus. We're worth something to our Father. All those times we don't feel like we're worth anything, we don't feel like we have anything. He says, "You know what? You're my child. I'm giving you majesty, glory, power, and worth <laughs> in your hearts." So let's allow Him. To... Maybe you need a cleansing this morning. Maybe you need a special touch from Him. We're going to pray for our bodies in a little bit, but maybe you need to confess a sin to Him. Now's the time to do it need to say, Father, I need you to cleanse this part of me. Whatever it might be, now's the time to just open him and allow him to flood your heart with his value, with his worth, with his purpose, with his cleansing. So let's, let's prepare to our, our hearts Take together. The Apostle Paul said in the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had given thanks, Jesus broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. You take it and you eat it. Father, we just thank you for this. We thank you for the healing that's in this this representation of your body. We thank you for the cleansing and deliverance that's here. And, Father, as we partake of this together, we're going to welcome you to flood our hearts, to flood our minds, to flood our spirits with all that you are. We crowd out everything else from the world, and we ask you to flood our hearts with your spirit. We thank you and receive it in Jesus' name. Let's partake together.
4: Thank you, Jesus.
0: the same manner after supper, he took the cup and he blessed it and said, this is the new covenant in my kingdom. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth my kingdom till I come again. That's what we're doing. We're displaying his glory, his power, his majesty, his cleansing until he comes again. So Father, we thank you for this blood. Where would we be without the fresh blood of Jesus in our lives? The blood that that was shed? to cleanse an entire universe of sin. We thank you that our sins, past, present, and future, are already taken care of. We don't need a fresh crucifixion next week. We're thankful that the blood has never lost its power. And it was at Calvary that this shedding blood did everything it needed to do. So we thank you for that. We ask for your touch on our bodies, our minds, our spirits, our souls. Cleanse us in this blood, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. Hallelujah! 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 One more time, just that. Let the let the power. Just raise your hand to Him and just thank Him for that power. Hallelujah, Lord! Hallelujah, Lord! Hallelujah,
4: Lord! We magnify You, Jesus. Let Your glory
3: and Your power, your power let Your majesty and worth flow.
5: I wrote this down um, about a month ago, and uh, waiting for the opportune time to ask Pastor Verzelli to share this revelation, because this is what it is. You know, it's like when you go to a, a live play, you know, on Broadway. You don't know what's behind a curtain until they open the curtain. Well, many times that's like the Word of God. You can read the Word of God, and it's good to keep reading it even if you don't understand it. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will open that curtain and he will reveal a revelation to you on that particular scripture that you've known for years. Okay? And that's what I just want to share with you today. Uh, About two months ago, um, my doctor said I had an irregular heartbeat. (laughs) And I says, no kidding. (laughs) I mean, I says 40-some years. But anyway... uh, the cardiologist asked me do I have sleep apnea I I said I don't know I have no clue you know and he said we're going to send you a home test they sent me a home test I took it, sent it back never heard again from him so that's telling me something this is what the Holy Spirit began to show me we're going to be dealing with sleep apnea and insomnia among other things this morning In Genesis 2, the very breath of God breathed into Adam. God breathed and brought him to life, not death, life. And then in Psalm 4 and verse 8, David writes, In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, does make me dwell in safety. And then in John chapter 20, Jesus says this in verse 19, Peace be with you. Verse 21, Peace be with you. Verse 22, He breathed on them. And the Holy Spirit came into them. Just what happened to you when you accepted Christ, He breathed on you. And His Holy Spirit came into you. And then in Mark chapter 4, in the middle of a storm, Jesus was sleeping. Why was he sleeping? Because the peace of the Father was in him. When he rebuked the storm, he'd still be sleeping if the apostles didn't wake him up. But he... He rebuked the storm. It was the peace that was in him that rebuked the storm that was without him. Then it goes on to say, he said, peace, be still. Insomnia means excessive worry, rapid thinking, and a multiplication of thoughts. That's insomnia. You ever go to bed at night and your mind is flying rapidly? hmm Everybody here. Sleep apnea means a person stops breathing while they're sleeping. That's not God's intention. You see, because he breathed into you when you received the Holy Spirit His breath is in you while you are sleeping. So why should we stop uh, breathing when he's living in us? You getting a hold of this? This is a revelation, folks. God's intention is rest and sleep. It is not God's intention that you cannot sleep. Just as God breathed into Adam... And when Jesus said, peace be with you, he breathed into them. The same thing happened to you when you accepted Christ. And the Holy Spirit came into you and took over. He who dwells in us does not cause us to stop breathing. The Lord showed me this when I was going to bed one night and I said hold on here I got on my knees and I said the Holy Spirit is in me I'm going to bed I'm tired I'm going to bed and I am not going to stop breathing because of some ridiculous stupid apnea I'm not going, look, I'm not telling you what to do when you go to bed at night. All I'm saying is, when I seen that kind of a thing you got to wear when you go to bed, that that might take me back to getting a bottle of Diggle Red rather than putting that thing on me. (laughs) Let's all stand. I just wanted to share that this morning. And I believe. If you're dealing with sleep apnea I want you to come right here and insomnia I want you to come right over here come on down I'm going to anoint you with oil and I'm going to pray that the Holy Ghost would fill you fresh with his breath you don't stop breathing you don't need to go to bed focused on what what's, what's next and those of you who need a fresh touch from God in your bodies and your minds You're depressed, oppressed. Enough is enough. You have the Holy Ghost in you. Greater is he who's in you than he who tries to interrupt your life.
0: Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just continue to worship the Lord. If you're not down for prayer, just make that place an altar with yourself. Worship him. And let's just continue to keep our eyes only on Jesus. Amen.
3: Spirit was moving over the water. Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on gates let heaven on in come rest on us come rest on us fire and wind come and do it again open up the gates.
0: Just lift up Pastor Steve as well. He is recovering and uh, doing better. But uh, some of you that are here, uh, Pastor uh, uh, Frank, and, uh, Frank and Ron, come down and Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave just pray for Pastor Steve as well. Stand in for him. Going to believe just for a complete healing, and a complete touch for him as well. Hallelujah. Just sing that part. We need you now, that part.
2: You're all we want?
4: You're all we want, yeah.
3: Holy Spirit, come rest on us.
0: Just
4: invite him right now.
0: You're all
3: we want.
4: You're all we want. Holy Spirit, come rest Singing that Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're all we want. You're all we want. You're You're all all said to him again. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're You're all we want. want. Yes, you are. Him holy spirit come rest on us you're all we want you're all we want now just raise your hands can you just worship him one last time hallelujah lord all oh, we magnify you we magnify you we magnify you jesus you're all we want you're all we want you're all we want you're all we need Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. You're all we want. You're all we need. You're all we desire. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Father,
0: not only is it that all that we want is the Holy Spirit, but help us to come to the place where we realize that all we need is the Holy Spirit. We don't need anything else in our lives. All we need is the Holy Spirit to empower us every day to just invite him into our lives, into our spirits, into our hearts to say, we're all, you're all we need, Jesus. You're all we need, Holy Spirit. That's all. And Father, when we have your Holy Spirit and when he has us, then we've got all the healing we need, all the deliverance we need, all the cleansing we need, all the sanctification we need, all the power we need for the task that's ahead. So we thank you for that, Father. We thank you that we could spend this time. We're going to believe we're going to hear testimonies of how you've changed hearts and lives and how you have given your beloved sleep for all those who are troubled. You're going to give them sleep tonight. They're going to wake up refreshed and invigorated in the morning. We're going to believe that touch is going to come, body, soul, and spirit for all of us. We thank you, and we're going to praise you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. How many are glad he is with us? Hallelujah. Never leave us nor forsake us. Hallelujah. Praise his name. God bless you. You may be seated ushers if you'll come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And for those who may have come in late and don't know our situation, we do have uh, restroom facilities outside at the Canfield Fair. You may feel free to use them. They are disinfected. They have water and towels and disinfectants and all that kind of stuff in them. So, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Charles, good to see you. if you ask the Lord to bless the offering for us. Uh, Lord, we you. Thank you for your blessing. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And take the take your Bibles in hand, if you would, open them to Philippians. We are still in Philippians, and uh, we're gonna continue on with our thoughts. Uh any other kids that are in, you may be dismissed. Pastor Yuri is out there and, uh, and all that. But uh, Philippians, the second chapter. We're continuing with our thoughts about our calling and the positive steadfastness that we can have as we work through difficulties and hardships and things like that. And we know we have them. We talked about Paul and and his difficulties. Of course, he was in uh, under custody in Rome and uh, was preparing to have his life poured out for the gospel. And so we're continuing our thoughts about being positive. And we we're down in verses. Uh, uh, 19 through the end of the chapter, and as I had mentioned last week, instead of going through verse by verse, what we're doing is we were taking some characteristics uh, of what it means to be a steadfast believer in Christ and to be positive, and we took them from uh, verses 25 through 30. So let's just read uh, Philippians 2, verses 25 through 30. And the Apostle Paul says, he was of course wanting to come and see the Philippians again, And he said, uh, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for all of you and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly that you might see him again and may rejoice, and that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because the work of the, for the work of the Lord of, of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. I mentioned that instead of going through verse by verse, we just wanted to take all of these verses together and give you all of the characteristics in these two individuals, Timothy. And Epaphroditus that typify Christian character. Uh, You know, we could look at Jesus and it's like, wow, that's a tough, tall measure. We want to be like him. We can look at the Apostle Paul and we could still say, the Apostle Paul, wow. You know, he was the Apostle Paul to be like him, wow. So Paul throws in these two guys, Tim and Epip, (laughs) Tim and Epaphroditus, and he says, you could be like these guys. And uh, so that's what we're looking at. So we mentioned last week the several characteristics. The first uh, three that we mentioned were being a living sacrifice, seeking the things of Christ. Paul told uh, the Philippians that that's what these men were doing. And that they were encouragers. They were encouragers. They were bringing encouragement. So we saw that we were a living sacrifice, that is, a poured-out lifestyle Poured out, but if you're going to be poured out, you need to be refilled. So we're refilled after we're poured out. And this is our spiritual worship. It becomes our liturgy. It becomes our lifestyle. Paul even says that this is a public liturgy because he says uh, in Second Corinthians three that we are an epistle for all men to read us. Now that, that's a wonderful thing, but isn't it also a very convicting thing? <laughs> Amen. to realize that men are going to read you. If you say you're a believer, they're going to watch you as an epistle, and they want to see how we behave. So it's a very, very uh, uh, convicting thing as well. But we're being poured out as a sacrifice, and that's joyful. It brings rejoicing. Our sacrifice to him is not drudgery. It is joy. Jesus even said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. Now, that sounds negative. You may say, well, I don't, I don't like that sound, because that means that I have to die to self. That doesn't. But if you die to self, he said, that death is going to bear a harvest of fruit. So, I don't know about you, but for me, I would rather lose my one life so that I can have an abundant, overflowing harvest of blessing. So, as we lay ourselves down for him and sacrifice ourselves for him, it's a joyful abundant return that we forget that we get so in light of all that we discovered that we don't need to worry we don't need to fear we don't need to dread there's no need for anxiety i can keep my head while all others around me are losing there and as i'm in christ i can be an encourager i can encourage i can help others and so that was the first set of things that Tim, Timothy and Epaphroditus were doing for Paul and the Philippians and the early church. Now we're going to look at the second set of characteristics, and you could pick these out as you read it again at some point, but we're going to see that we are like-minded. We have proven character, we're supplying the need, and we're faithful against all odds. We we have like-mindedness, we have proven character, we're supplying the need, and we're faithful against all odds. Look at the, Look at the first one. He said, I sent these individuals to you because they are like-minded. They're just like me. They think like me, they're like-minded. Uh, he said, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions. Paul uses that in another passage. And he uses the word traditions. And this, this is interesting because like-mindedness is the same word as traditions, basically. And I want to stop here and talk about traditions just for a moment. And it's a bit scary for some of us because we're not in a traditional mainline church. So we don't necessarily have traditions. However, we just partook of a tradition of the church, didn't we? There are two sacraments in the church, water baptism and uh, communion. And these two sacraments have been handed down to us as tradition. And so we have traditions that we follow in the church, and it's not necessarily bad. Tradition is simply a transmission of customs or beliefs from generation to generation. Paul talks about the fact that he's a spiritual father to Timothy and Epaphroditus. So he's handing down to them spiritual traditions Uh, But as I said, as traditions for us as Protestants, um, you know the root word of Protestant is protest. As Protestants, we love to protest. (laughs) Where any two or three evangelicals are together, there's a protest. It just happens. That's why we have millions of denominations. Uh, we have a problem many times with tradition. There's a good part about not wanting certain traditions because it gives us freedom of interpretation. Sometimes the bad thing about having all that freedom is it gives us freedom to have bad interpretations too. And so we look at other parts of the body of Christ, perhaps the Lutherans or the Methodists, things like that, and uh, they adhere to tradition. Now, this don't get nervous. We're not becoming Lutheran, Catholic, or Presbyterian, or anything. But there's a good part of it, is that they, especially in the Catholic Church, they all believe the same thing, they say the same thing, they, it all comes from the same source, right? Il Papa, the Pope, right? And there's a good part about that, because everybody believes the same thing. The bad part about that it, tradition is that, of course, the Pope can have too much pizza the night before, And come up with some cockamamie idea. Like gets up the next morning and says, priests and nuns can't marry. What? (laughs) Where'd that come from? That's not in the Bible. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So there's a bad part about tradition. But we have to understand something about tradition. And I'm taking a little bit of time for this because it helps us to understand the Apostle Paul and his ministry and our work as well. Our faith... Our, our faith in Jesus rests on four fundamentals. And you could write these down if you want. Four fundamentals. The first fundamental, of course, is scripture, the word. It's sola scriptura, only the word. It's sola fide, only faith. It's sola Christus, only Christ. That's what the Reformation said. So scripture is our foundation. That's the number one thing we rest everything on. That's the biggest pedestal on this base. It's the biggest thing that we have. The second thing up from that, however, is reason reason. God gave us brains, did he not? He gave us reasoning abilities. So when you go to scripture and you read Jesus and Jesus says, unless you hate your mother and father and sister and brother, you're not worthy of the kingdom. We go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus, you just got done saying, honor your father and mother. How could you turn right around and say hate your father and mother? Well, we have to use some reason then, don't we? We have to rightly divide the word of truth, figure out what's being said. You can go to the book of Ecclesiastes, and and Solomon says uh, in Ecclesiastes that men die like dogs, and there's nothing after it, there's no thoughts, there's no anything. Wait a minute, wait a minute, but I thought that the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So how do we square those two things? Well, we won't do it this morning, but you have to use reason. You have to go back and find out why something was written, when it was written, how it was written. Because this is a pretty big book. A lot of stuff in here. So we have to use reason. Now the bad part about it is we can reason away things and we don't want to do that. But you have to approach scripture with reason at times. Then the third level is tradition. Tradition. And then the top level is experience. Never ever start at the top. Our experience does not dictate what scripture says. Scripture dictates what our experience says. Well, I prayed for my grandmother and prayed and prayed and she still got sick and died. So God's not a healer. No, no. God is a healer. I don't know why your grandma died. But the word teaches healing. So we don't let scripture, we don't let our minds dictate scripture or our experience. I've often said, if I die of cancer someday or something like that, I hope the person who does my funeral preaches on healing. Because what happened to me does not have anything to do with what the word says, per se. So, but in there is tradition. Uh, We have to understand what tradition is. Uh, Tradition, I need the body of Christ, don't you? I need, I, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me reason scripture and rightly divide. I need to have the word of God invade my experience. And I need to have my experience and my lifestyle changed and guided by the power and the authority of the word. I need you, you need me. I need to hear each other's interpretations of scriptures. I need to let iron sharpen iron. I need the teaching of the early church fathers. They were smart guys. I need their teaching. I need the teachings of Augustine and Luther and Wesley and Calvin and others. I need the teaching of modern day brothers and sisters like Wright and Lewis and Sproul and others. I need those people. Say why? Because Peter tells us very clearly in 2nd Peter 1, knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. We need each other, folks. So there are times when I'm, when I'm struggling, I may need to look back at church tradition. I may need to look back at what some, my brothers and sisters went through when they were burned at the stake, or when they were fed to lions, or when they went through difficulties. Or I need to look at the previous revivals and th- say, how did those revivals happen? What happened back then? So we need, we start with the word, we end, add some reason, we use tradition of the past so we can help each other understand things, and then eventually that changes our experience. And you say, well, what's the purpose of all this that I just did. It's because we have to be like-minded. I can't go off about, there is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian, is there? Lone Ranger Christians get into trouble. I need the tradition of my brothers and sisters around me. And when we get together and do that, we can accomplish great things for the kingdom. If we're divided in our thinking and we divide each other, then we will accomplish nothing. When we come together, then we can have 5,000 people downtown listening to Franklin Graham and seeing people get saved. Isn't that a good thing? Not one person, not one Christian in that entire crowd of 5,000 people that went there believed the same thing. (laughs) Do you realize that? We had Baptists and Lutherans and Metherans and Presbyterians and Pentecostals and Charismatics. If you started polling the crowd, you would scratch your head and say, wait a minute, you guys don't agree on anything. Here's what we do agree on, that Jesus is Lord and Savior. We agree on that tradition and the tradition that says, if you accept Christ as your Savior, you are in the kingdom of God. Now, what you do with that after, if you want to be a Baptist, be a Baptist. If you want to be a Pentecostal, be a Pentecostal. Everybody knows if you want the right thing, you come here, Right? (laughs) <laughs> but, but we need each other. We need to be like-minded in these last days. And I like what Paul says. You could read it in Second Th- Th- Thessalonians, the second chapter. He says, when you're this way, you're going to comfort your hearts. You're going to establish yourself in every good work. We can have good works. We can be grounded. We can have good cheer. We can have good word if we are like-minded and come together in the name of Jesus. So he says, I need like-minded people. I can't have people running all around. I need Timothy. I need Epaphroditus that all believe the same thing. And this leads to the second thing, and that is proven character. I, I-, I like this. This, this is a wonderful little understanding of this word proven character Uh, in the ancient world there was of course no banking system there was no uh, paper money there was no federal reserve or anything like that so each coin of course was heated up from uh, soft metal gold or silver and made into coins and stamped with the the emperors insignia or whatever and when it was cooling in order to have a uniform shape they would shave off some of the coin and those shavings would then go back in and they would be remelted into other coins. So it, but the problem was, since it was soft metal, after the coin was minted all through society of the day, individuals would shave off a little bit of the gold and silver and start to keep it. And so by the time you got it, 100 or 200 people down the road, it was a little bit smaller than the original coin, and they could tell that something was going on. And it actually became an, an entire business. Underground business. People would shave coins. You know, like Johnny the Shaver Bombassi, right? He ran a legitimate business, but so they would shave these coins. And, and, and as, as actually in Athens, they had to create laws to stop. So they would have to periodically weigh the coins, and they had to have laws to say stop shaving the coins <laughs> and taking the taking the gold and the silver. But There were some individuals back then, some money changers, that were men of integrity, and they would weigh each coin, and they would not accept the coin unless it was of full weight. They were men of honor who put only genuine, full-weight money into circulation. The name of those individuals was the exact same Greek word in our text, dokimos. They were righteous individuals that were called dokimos. If you wanted to get the proper exchange for your coin, you didn't go to Johnny the Shaver Bombasi. You went to the guy down the street that was called a dokimos because he was a man of proven character. How many know that what we need right now in the church of Jesus Christ is people of proven character? men and women that are genuine men that women are the full deal men and women that testify exactly to what the word says and stand by it because we are epistles that are written in the hearts of men to be read by all men written not with ink but with the living spirit of the living god and we need to be like-minded individuals who have proven character when someone looks at us they say that person is a christian not perfect But they follow Jesus. Proven character. We don't shave off anything. We do it all the way. So, when you do that, you have proven character. And then what follows from that is you're able to supply the need. And that was, that was the big thing that Paul got to. He said, These individuals, they're supplying the need. They're, they're living the sacrifice of Christ and they're supplying the need. I, I, I believe that probably one of the greatest things we could do in the body of Christ now and especially in the days that are ahead is to meet the needs of each other, meet the needs of the body of Christ, body, soul, and spirit. But remember, the word says very clearly, right? That, Later on, we'll see it, that uh, Paul says, My God shall supply all of your wants. What's it say? Needs. That's sort of boring. (laughs) I was hoping it said once. (laughs) Because, boy, my list of wants is really big. All your need. Not your wants. But you know what happens. As we minister to Christ and as we bless others, we get some of our wants taken care of too, don't we? Because that's how He blesses us, and it's the same for us. He, we, we are called to supply each other's not wants but needs, needs, whatever the need is. We help to supply it. I'll give you a good example, uh, Pastor Steve. As I mentioned, he's getting really really good he's he's actually hoping for december sometime so we're we're hoping with him but uh, he said i just i have a problem is i, I just cuz he you know he has a nice scar from his top of his chest down to his belly button and he says i just i can't cut my grass yet could somebody help come and help me cut my grass and pastor ron i think it was um, mike shearer and tommy they volunteered to go cut the grass that's helping him in need right that's supplying a need not a big deal supplying a need now what if like A year from now, Pastor Steve says, Hey, you know what? (laughs) Can somebody come and help me cut my grass every week? Well, we would say, no, wait a minute now. That's not a need. That's a want. Because all of us want somebody to do that. So we are called to help each other's needs. And in doing that, we are fulfilling that living sacrifice that Paul used as an example for Timothy and Epaphroditus to the Philippian church. But then there's one last one. He, he ends it by saying that this, this Epaphroditus was faithful against all the odds. How many know that the odds are against us right now? Uh, uh, wow, in just about everything. He, but he was faithful. He was a, and, and if you look at these, the wording here in these last couple of verses of, of this chapter, you look at the wording, and in five verses, Paul said he was a worker, a soldier, a messenger, intensely craving to be with the family of God. He was sick, distressed, sick unto death, came close to death. Wow, that guy was a wreck. Five, five, just those several verses. Sick, distressed, sick unto death, came to close, came close to death. But he was faithful. Not successful per se, but faithful. It sounds like the odds were against him, but he was faithful. He was faithful. I, I, you and I all know it. You you've, that are over a certain age. I told you before. And my, my mother will tell me. And others will tell me. Oh, I just I'm so sore with this. I, this hurts so bad. Uh, and I, I've told you before. I was out doing some stuff around the house. And I was fixing some uh, stuff on the outside of the house. And I, up and down the ladder and, and all that. And, and I was picking s- some stuff up. And I, and I I told you before. Now when I go, bend over and pick something up. Of course, not only do you look and see if there's anything else down there to make you pick it up at the same time. But... I start standing up and I start making noises I never heard before. Groanings that cannot be uttered, right? Where did that sound come from? I never made that when I was 28. (laughs) What in the world? The odds are against us, but we're faithful. Epaphroditus, I'm sure, was not happy, he was not carefree, he was not skipping joyfully doing all of his errands, but he was faithful. And that's what the Lord wants. He wants faithfulness. What are we doing? We talked about this from the very beginning. We're holding forth the word of life. We're, we're teaching. We're spending our hearts and our lives. We're holding forth the words of life. We're seeking the things of Christ. We're proving our character through hardship. We're proving our character in the midst of a crooked, wicked, and twisted generation. A generation right now that is absolutely total nonsense. They have lost their minds. Every segment of society has lost their minds. And we are in the midst of it. We're in the middle of it. And we're proving our character by following what Jesus has told us to do and holding forth the word of life. Because, see, folks, we have a hope this morning, don't we? We have a hope in Jesus this morning. We have a hope that doesn't make ashamed. We have a hope that is an anchor for the soul, both steadfast and sure, which enters into the presence behind the veil. We just heard Brother David give that testimony that, you know, they said, we're going to send you this machine. This is the last I ever heard. Who knows? It's probably lost in some supply chain thing somewhere. So in the meantime, then Holy Ghost, why don't you just cause me to breathe so I don't have to worry about that? Maybe that's what we're getting to at this time, that... It's all going to fall apart, and we're going to have to say, well, Jesus, I guess it's just you and me. You're going to, have to, you're going to have to put food on the table. You're going to have to do what it's going to have to take, because there's nobody else. Listen, we have hope. We have a rest. We have a faith that rests on the fidelity of him who could find no one greater, so he swore by himself. We have a faith that rests in the one who said, by my own right hand have I gotten the victory. In the days ahead, I believe we're going to see him get the victory more and more in our lives. We base our hope on the one who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are not as though they exist. Hallelujah. We were saved by hope, Romans 8. We're called in one hope, Ephesians four. We abide in the hope. uh, First Corinthians 13. We await for the blessed hope. Titus 2. That tells me that I'm going to make it to the end. Hallelujah. Against all odds, we are going to make it. Without diesel or with diesel, it doesn't matter. We're going to make it. Without money, we're going to make it. Without food, we're going to make it. Without medicine, we're going to make it because his breath is inside of us and we're breathing his life. Our minds are girded, our hearts are sober, victory lies ahead. He'll bring the mountains low when they need to be brought low. He'll make the crooked places straight when they need to be straight. He'll make the rough ways smooth and he'll make the desert like a garden again. You take his hand and he takes your hand and together you move forward. You're faithful up the mountain. You're faithful down the valley. You're faithful through the desert. You're faithful at the oasis. You're faithful when there is no water. You're faithful when there is no food. You're faithful when the bills are too high, you're faithful when the sickness is too painful, and step by step, inch by inch, minute by minute, Every sweat drop by every sweat drop, you've been saved long enough to know that that's the way it is, folks. Every sweat drop by every sweat drop, our life has never been sitting in a pool with a Snapple in one hand and a a TV in the other, watching something on TV. No, that's not the way it is. After a period of struggle, you turn and you look at the steep grade that you just climbed up and you say, how in the world did I make it up that hill? How did I make it up that, how did I make it through that valley? and suddenly you realize that the one who was holding your hand had already gone on before and brought you up the mountain and brought you through he made the mountain lower he made a way where it seemed like there was no way he gave your feet tired that were tired new strength he lifted up your heavy hands he gave you fresh water from a bitter stream he filled your belly with secret manna and after we turned that mountain into a molehill he turned the molehill back into nothing and hallelujah we walked in victory listen folks you can do more than you think you can do because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world you can be more than you think you can be because my elder brother says I am that I am you can have more than you think you can have because God is going to supply it you can be set free from more than you think you can be set free because the word says he whom the son sets free is free indeed you can rule over more than you think because we've been given power over all the power of the enemy enemy you can run faster like David you can run through a troop you can leap over a wall you're going to make it because the person inside you named Jesus is going to make it for you don't ever let the devil lie to you you are victorious in him against all odds it doesn't matter so stay faithful stay faithful listen folks you have no other option it's real simple You have no other option. You just got to stay faithful. What else are you going to (laughs) do? What else are you going to do? Where else are you going to go? Like I say, we're at a time in American history now that is different than we've ever experienced. I mentioned it before. We called six commercial plumbing companies to come and fix this. Four of them said, four of them said, we can't do it for three weeks. The other, other ones didn't even answer. Finally, we got one that said, we'll see if we can get out there. It's the new world, folks. It's the new world. So where are you going to (laughs) go? I'll tell you where you're going to go. You're just going to go back to this thing over and over every day. Every day. Go back to it over and over. Stay faithful as a living sacrifice, like Timothy and Epaphroditus, against all odds. Our calling is very simple. It's very simple. And, And I've told you before, this is what I love about the Christian walk. It's not... It's not confusing and difficult to understand. You don't need a PhD. You don't need to go to Bible school. It's very simple to understand. Our calling is very simple. To become living sacrifices for him. To prove our character. And then through giving, supplying the need, we are encouraging others. And we're doing this in the midst of a Babylon that is falling apart. (laughs) So be faithful against all the odds. And we can do it. We can do it. Jesus didn't come to earth and do this thing on the cross that he did just to get away from heaven for a while. He he didn't do it on a whim to think, well, you know, it seems like a good idea. I don't know. He did it to secure salvation for the rest of eternity. He did it for a purpose and a reason. And it is happening as we see it. Let's just bow our heads. Father, we just thank you that we can be faithful against all the odds. Faithful in the midst of difficulty, faithful in the midst of sickness, faithful in the midst of hardship. Someday we'll be able to sit down and talk with Epaphroditus in heaven and say, tell us, tell us the stories, tell us what happened. Because back then... You didn't have cars and medicine like we have now. You didn't have air conditioning. You didn't have airplanes. So when you journeyed, what happened? Were you robbed? Were you beaten? What kind of sickness was it? Was it malaria? Was it cholera? What, what was it? And how did you get through? Even unto death. Wonderful. It'll be wonderful to hear the story. And we know that the end of the story will always be the same. That Jesus inside me helped me through it made it all the way made it all the way Father we know we can make it all the way against all odds we've seen it as we talk about tradition we've seen our brothers and sisters for 2,000 years continue to make it when every odd was stacked against them there was no possible way that early church could have survived but now 2,000 years later half the globe is worshipping the name of Jesus how did it happen? only the power of the Holy Spirit So help us to be living sacrifices, to keep moving forward, and to not stop until we get before your throne. And as we're doing it, to be a blessing to everybody around us. We thank you for it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. Stand to your feet. I'm glad that we could be serving him this morning. I'm glad that his blood is continuing to wash us and his body is continuing to strengthen us because we need it every step of the way. How many are glad you have Jesus this morning? Hallelujah. Praise his name. Turn around. God bless you. You're dismissed in his presence. Go forth praising him as a living sacrifice.